You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you guys who are online. Welcome to December. We're here already. Crazy 2020 is almost through, so we can be excited about that. Welcome to Life Community. We say this every week, right? We are a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ, and we strive to live out that identity through four values, by practicing love with everyone always, by giving more than makes sense, by chasing after the likeness of Christ in every corner of our lives, and by anchoring ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word. That's who we are. That's what we want to be. Just a few things to go over with you guys this week as far as announcement. Number one is there is a meeting today after service if you're interested in serving on our mission team that is going to Atlanta this coming March. Um, So that is today. Take note of that if that's for you. The second is... We have men's breakfast. We do this every month, men's breakfast next Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday. All the guys in here are welcome to come eat breakfast. We'll pray. We'll talk. It will be good. Christmas Eve. It's coming. One service here, 530. It'll be much like this. Uh, There won't be children's uh, ministry, but we will have plenty of overflow space in the rest of our church for you to uh, spread out if you need to. And in that, we're trying to find... uh, just moments in this crazy season uh, define meaning. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing this year is a virtual caroling session. On the 17th of December, we have families, people in our church that are going to lead us in different carols. We're going to make hot chocolate, and we're going to have that available for you next Sunday for you to take home with you and join us online, and we'll carol together. It'll be a good thing. Uh, So participate in that if you want to. Listen, nobody's going to hear you sing in your house, all right? So it can be good. And then lastly, I want to walk you through this. Many people have asked us about this. We certainly have gotten away from our prayer bulletin and helping you understand what's going on in our church. We have created a digital website at lifecommunityprayer.net where you can tell us what's going on in your life and you can read about what's going on in other people's lives in the church. And so in this, on this page, you'll see a section that says virtual prayer wall. You can share your request right there. I'll see it. I'll let it go on the wall. You can keep up to date what's going on in the church. You can express your care concerns. If you have a sensitive issue, there's a private prayer request area that you can just send that directly to the church and the elders and we'll certainly pray over that. So take note of that. That's what we're going to do going forward. It'll be a good tool for all of us. We're in Psalm 30 today. So feel free if you have your Bibles or your phone, we're going to turn there. We're entering into this season of Advent and we're going to use David's words here in Psalm 130. So let's read this together. Verses 1 through 6. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 
I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Let's pray. Father, as we share this time together, I pray for your graces, um, that we can understand the fruitfulness of waiting, that, Lord, our desire would not be in seeking to make our wait shorter than it needs to be, but living in it knowing that you are in this waiting with us. And so, Lord, use your word today to change our hearts, to renew us. Guide us today. Fill us with joy by your spirit. And we pray this boldly in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, hello to you kids in the audience today. Can I get away from you guys? Just a reminder, it is okay that your kids are in here. We'll deal with it just as everybody is dealing with it. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about Christmas a little bit and this thing we call Advent. And I know that many of you in this room have your minds thinking about what's going to happen on Christmas morning. And maybe, maybe you're excited about what possibly might come your way. We call that anticipation. To anticipate means to long with excitement for something. And when we feel anticipation, we should realize that is a good gift from God. It's a good gift from God because it leads us to this understanding that this world as we know it isn't complete, that our souls long for something more, and that something that we long for is God himself. And so the anticipation of Christmas points us to the fact that we anticipate the coming of God. And so today I want you to hear about waiting, waiting for the right things, anticipating, hoping for the right things. And I'm going to give you five words to listen for. Uh, First is hope. If you have your activities, wait, anticipate, which I've said 70 times already. Promise and prophecy. All right. This morning, we are going to begin our journey to the manger as we approach what this church calls a season of Advent. Advent's this goofy word that we like to use in the church just to confuse you. So you can go, I thought it was Christmas. What is Advent? No, it's, it's Advent. This is the season of Advent. This celebration dates back to the 4th or 5th century in Spain. And it was linked, it was linked to new believers being baptized at the Feast of Epiphany, Epiphany that we celebrate on January 6th. And so it was a season of fasting and preparedness for that feast and for new believers to be baptized. It was in the sixth century when Christians in Rome tied the season of Advent to the future coming kingdom of God. And so Advent becomes this symbol of the present situation of a church in its last days, God's people waiting for the return of Christ in glory to consummate his eternal kingdom on earth, Today, we as the church are in a similar position to that of the nation of Israel at the end of the Old Testament who are in exile, who are waiting, who are prayerful in their anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. 
And they looked backwards, just as we do in this season, to God's faithfulness that led them out of Egypt in the Exodus. And they remembered that and they hoped and they prayed and called to God that he would act on their behalf again. And so we, in the same way as the church today, during Advent, we look back upon the coming arrival of Christ in the manger and celebrate it. But in the same way, we hope with anticipation, looking forward to the coming kingdom of Christ when he returns here again. And so Advent's this really good and profound and simple practice. As we wait for the return of Christ, we reflect back and rest in the incarnation when God became flesh in Jesus. And in doing so, we remind ourselves that God will be faithful in this waiting. That God will be faithful as he was long ago. He will come again, just like he came in Bethlehem. He will be true to his promise. Yet the message of Advent doesn't hinge merely on God fulfilling his promises. It certainly is a major part of it. Advent is about God's people, his people, longing for that promise, hoping in their time and place with forward-leaning hearts, not on what we could get in this moment, but with desire and anticipation, what all of our future moments will be like with him in his presence, in his kingdom, in his splendor. And so Advent is a season for all of us prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love, believers who dwell in this church, to remember and reflect and be stirred up once again to believe that God is faithful, that God is good, and he will come again and worthy of our trust. Our existence, our whole lives on this earth, we over-prioritize ourselves and we under-prioritize God. Advent in his message that Christ is returning reveals to us that all is not well yet. That all is not whole yet. That all is not redeemed yet or made new yet, but it will. But it will. So in this time of in-between, before the return of Christ, before his return, we grieve the difficulty in our waiting. We grieve the sting of our brokenness. We grieve the sting of death as it affects us. But we hope richly and joyfully of what is ours today in Christ and what will be in the future. Advent is a season of hopeful arrival in which we wait. But it's not waiting like the mundanes in our lives. It's not like waiting as we wait in the grocery line to check out or wait in our car for the drive through Advent brings a waiting that is expectant, a waiting that makes room, a waiting that is hopeful. That's what we want to walk through today. That in this season, we are to wait with anticipation. We are to wait and make room. And we are to wait and be hopeful. You know, it wasn't long ago, if you think about this, that the greatest technology in our car 
was its ability to take in frequencies through an antenna and through a radio and out our car speakers making music. Today, that would be the least probably technological piece of our car today. And many of you in this room, although probably not all of you, Remember the days of atlases and maps that if you were going to go on a trip, you had to look at a map or you had to, re- to look at directions that you had written down from the advice of a friend who said, hey, here's what you're going to do. Go to this interstate, get off on this exit. When you see the BP, turn right, it's two miles up on the left. When I first started driving, I printed out MapQuest directions. I don't know if you remember this. MapQuest directions, because it seemed like a safe idea to drive and look at your directions at the same time. It was safer back then, right? It was safer back then. Today, we just simply put an address in our phone. We put an address in our car, even. And so think about this. Think about this. The feeling of genuinely being lost. That I have no idea where I'm at right now. My car's working. I don't have a clue. That feeling doesn't happen very often, if ever. We don't feel the sense of being lost. Several years ago, uh, I was traveling in the middle of the day to Michigan to visit some friends uh, in a gathering up there. And when I left, I had my car, my cell phone on, GPS going, but little did I realize, because I'm clueless in a lot of things, that my phone wasn't charged very well, and I had forgotten my phone charger. And so just as you would expect, in the middle of Michigan, in the back roads of Michigan, my phone died, and I realized, uh, okay, I have no way to charge this. And to top it off, My friends communicated where we were going like this. We're going to a restaurant. Here's the address. I had no idea the name of the place nor its address. And so there was this real moment in my car where I felt this unbelievable weight of fear and worry where I physically admitted in my car to myself, I'm lost and I have no clue where I'm going. Now, I'd like to tell you that I used my superb directional senses to get me to where I needed to go. What felt like hours was probably about 10 minutes when I realized that I could just find a town and get a cable to charge my phone and I would be good. But I remember that I've never felt that before. And I've probably never felt it since. And in that car, in that moment, I have probably never desired more than I had right then to be in the security of the presence of my friends. To be in the comfort of my friends. Knowing I was lost made me desire even more the company of my friends. I could say it this way. In my lostness, my expectancy and anticipation grew. And I would use that to say this, that for those of us of faith, if there is not in us a sense 
of lostness in the messages of the world, lostness in the schemes of the world, we will never truly anticipate and expect the kingdom of God and his return like we should. You know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer is an activist. He, he was an activist in World War II against Adolf Hitler. You've maybe heard of him before. He's martyred in the 40s, in the middle of the war. Bonhoeffer wrote this about Advent. He said that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. Isn't that profound? I just want to read that again. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. You know, David, in the psalm that we read in Psalm 130, maybe you know him as King David. David doesn't always come off as a man who knows his own poverty in his spirit. But in this psalm, he does. He writes, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Most people believe David is either writing this as a young man as he flees the presence of the, the king in that time named Saul. He is distressed that Saul wants to take his life. Or that David is writing this in the midst of torment from his sin when he had an affair with another man's wife named Bathsheba. But whatever the situation is, David comes face to face again with another event in his life where he can harden himself to the realities of his life in pride and anger and be resolute to doing it his way, with his strength, with his effort. Or he can taste the bitterness of life and be reminded of its insufficiencies and lacking that we find in the world, in ourselves, and in humility come before a good God with hope and expectancy. That even I, yet I, that I don't know what's going on, Lord, even though I fear the situation, even though you have not made this right or redeemed this, you are worthy of my trust, and I believe that this too shall pass. And that's what David does. David believes that even in this, yet God, you are near. And that is for us too. And in doing so, in coming before God in that way, we wait with greater expectancy for the return of God. Advent stirs us to wait with expectancy for God who will make it all whole, who will make it all right, where all of our lostness will be found. But in our waiting, we must make room. You know, every season it feels like I have to, when winter comes, I have to go into my garage and remove a bunch of toys and stuff to make sure that my wife and I can get both of our cars in the garage. I don't know if you ever go through that experience. But there seems to be a strange correlation with my kids that the older they get, the more stuff that's in my garage. Have you felt that before? 
And I'm going to be honest, I need to take some blame. There's lots of tools that are laying around from projects I've delayed to put, to put away. And so this year I waited. And now here we are in December, and I'm just settled that my wife's car is sufficient to get into the garage, right? Isn't it true of our journeys in this life that in our journey, there is just increasingly more stuff in our worlds? Not just material things in our garage, but more things that want our time, more situations that want us to prioritize them, more people we need to talk to, more money we could be making. It seems like our life is filled to the brim, so much so that one has to wonder, is there any room to wait? And you may say, that sounds like the worst thing ever, to wait. Ain't nobody got time for that. My Uber Eats don't get here quick enough. Two days shipping from Amazon is not as good as one. Maybe you spend a lot of your time thinking about how you don't have to wait. How I can go pick up my drink through my mobile order so I can just go in and get it. How I can, on my way home from work, have somebody pick and then put my groceries in the trunk of my car. Waiting in this world seems to be a detriment. It has detrimental effects. It keeps us from what we want, where we want to go, and who we want to be with. But yet as the faithful in Christ, whom are called to live as if the kingdom of God is already here, we know that waiting is for our good and waiting is for our benefit. If we remember the book of James that we just studied, that the wisdom in James from the very beginning in chapter 1, when he said, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds, for the testing of your faith will produce perseverance, steadfastness, and let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And so what James's wisdom for us was is that in this life, you will face issues. You will face trials. And what is most natural for you in those situations is to figure out how you can be the hero, how you can solve your issues, or consume yourself with the work of distracting yourself so you don't have to deal with it. But James says that steadfastness comes to those who wait in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, that as life comes at us, we're not a people who are passive or fatalistic, but we are a people who rightly trust that even in this, God will be good. As we wait for him, we grieve the hardness of our situations but we trust him that this too shall pass. And we put one step in front of the other as we rejoice in him now and what will become in the kingdom of God. Waiting is the room that we make in our lives that becomes the evidence to that which we really believe satisfies. It is the evidence to which we really believe that saves us to which we really believe 
that matters? Is there room in our life to believe that God matters most? Not this or that, but that He matters most. To wait and believe that God's wisdom is vital to my everyday living. King David wrote this in that psalm. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. David, in this profound moment of vulnerability, humbly declares to the Lord, like, Lord, if you would even know who I am, if you would even know my misdeeds, Lord, my actions, how is it that I could stand before you? How could I even be counted in your company, Lord? But then he says, but with you there is forgiveness. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And it isn't this fear that's cowering. It's a fear that happens when you see the most evil thing and you watch somebody return it good. It's an awe that causes worship and reverence that God doesn't treat me as he ought. And David says, that God I will wait for. That God I will wait for. My soul waits and hopes in his word. David reminds us in all of the seasons of our lives, God is worthy to be waited for. He is worthy to wait on, and his forgiveness has never been given to us with delay. He can be trusted as a faithful, loving father who not, doesn't deal with us how we ought to be, but deals with us as Jesus deserves. And so we wait with expectation. We wait with room. But Advent also stirs up hope. Hope. You know, most of you know I, I grew up a Cubs fan, consumed my childhood. Uh, I watched countless Cubs games. I listened to them on the radio. Uh, I hoped every baseball pack that I opened of baseball cards was full of Cubs players. The whole mantra of Cubs Nation was, wait till next year, right? The Cubs suffered a 108-year championship drought, and I waited. Not as long as many, but I waited year after year that this was going to be the year. And in 2016, it happened. A, a group of my friends, we gathered for every single postseason game, post game. We did stupid things like, we have to watch it here, right? And I have to be in this seat because we wanted it to happen. This was going to be the year, and it was, and they won, and it was amazing. But here's the thing. For all of those years waiting and hoping for a championship, you would think that it would be more fulfilling than it was. If I'm to be honest, which I, I hope you would say, well, thanks for being honest, Pastor. It was far less satisfying than I thought it would be. And isn't that true of everything 
in this world that it's far less satisfying than we thought it would be. And here's the thing. I don't love the Cubs as much as I used to. It's done. David writes and reminds us that in our waiting, in all of our hoping, that God will not be found lacking. That he will not be found lacking. He says, my soul waits for the Lord. More than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. And when you read that, you, you may get this image of a night watchman at a factory who's waiting for daybreak to be relieved of his duties for the next person to come on his shift. Or you may think of this in a military scheme, like this night watchman who's struggling, enduring in the night with the hope of daybreak for better security. But that is not what David is talking about here. David is talking about one who struggles but lives faithfully in the night, anticipating the coming of the morning, that in its light, in all of its dawning, that light will abolish and make right all of my sin and end all of my sorrow. And David writes more than the watchman. More than the watchman. My hope is exceedingly greater than that. And so we know as we wait that the size and the depths of our hope will never outmatch the splendor of the sun when he comes. And so some 800 years before Christ came to this world, a prophecy was given about his coming. It wasn't the first prophecy that was foretelling of the birth of the Messiah. We see that all the way back in Genesis 3, that God would bring somebody to redeem his people. But Isaiah wrote in the 8th century a promise for his people. In Isaiah 9, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Prince, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's people of that day took great hope in knowing that one day all of their struggles, all of their hardships, all of their living would be worth it. It would all be worth it. This season is about the fulfillment of the hope of the promised one, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And for us in this time and place, in this season, it should stir us up to remember the faithfulness of God that was present in Bethlehem and that we realize that he will be just as faithful to us again. That he will come again. And when he comes, John writes in his vision and revelation of what it will be like. John says in Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice 
from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. That is what we wait for. That is what we grow in anticipation for. That is what we make room for. That is our exceedingly great hope. I think the wonderful part of the rhythm of this season is it does, if we allow it, cause us to slow down and reflect. The question is, what will we slow down to? And what will we reflect on? I hope that in this season, you might use this time to wait well. That brothers and sisters, that in your waiting, you will find your lostness. That in your waiting, you would make room. And in your waiting, you would feel the hope of the return of Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, today, oh, Jesus, we just come before you as a people who confuse waiting with being inconvenienced and being hopeful with getting the things that we want in our flesh. Father, will you just use this season to remind us that you are great, that you are good, that you are holy, that you are near, and that you are worthy. God, help us to know our lostness. Lord, help us to see our imperfections so that we may be found in you as we anticipate your coming. Help us to make room that we might find joy in our steadfastness, that in our waiting, you will meet us. And Lord, help us to see that our hope won't be disappointed. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <laughs>